let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to be taking up at verse 11 uh, this morning. Now, um, the name of the message this morning is, Are You the King? Now, what we've seen last week, do you guys remember what was going on last week? Jesus was under trial, right? So he went to trial before who? Annas and Caiaphas, right? The high priest. It was a private religious um, inquisition, so to speak. Okay, so Jesus was on trial before the religious. And then, you know, we, we had to determine ourselves, like, okay, is Jesus who he said he was? Because Caiaphas put him under oath, you know, are you the Christ? And, sorry, this is two weeks ago. And then um, Jesus said, yes, I am. I am the Christ. And then um, we had to determine, it's like, okay, well, Jesus said, I am the Christ. That's the only evidence that his enemies could bring up against him, was that he was the Christ. They had nothing else. And they said, you know what, this is blasphemy, and you claim to be the son of God, so you know what, we're going to crucify you. And that was their desire. Then we saw uh, Judas Iscariot, you know, he, he had some you know, bad feelings. He was like, oh man, he goes, I- I've betrayed innocent blood. And the, the question that was asked last week was, okay, did Judas really repent, or did he just feel bad that he did something wrong? Because those of you um, who ever got away with something with your parents, right, you, you, yeah, I know you guys know, right? If you ever did something wrong and you felt bad about it, but th- does that mean you actually repented? You actually go to your parents and say, you know what, um, mom, you know, that super expensive um, uh, vase that you had, and you know, it mysteriously fell off. And I said that it might've been an earthquake and all that. It was actually me. Okay. We don't usually do that, right? Just like your mom comes up and says, Hey, did you break that? And you're like, <laughs> break what? Right? That's what we do. And that's not really repentance. Now, you may feel bad. You may be like, oh, man, mom really liked that. And, you know, great grandma, she gave that to mom. And it's like, wow, I feel real bad. But there ain't no repentance about that. Okay? And we saw that that really is more what was happening with Judas. He wasn't that he was repentant. And like I said, in my Bible, it actually says Judas repents. That's the title of it. And I just changed it. I just added a question mark. Judas repents? Okay? And so uh, we saw that last week. And then this week now... Uh, this morning, we're going to see Jesus. He's under trial again. Okay, last week he was under trial by the religious leaders. Now he's under um, trial by the government. Okay, now he's under trial by the court system. And before, it was a private trial, and now it is a public trial. Okay, so go ahead and join with me in verse 11. We're going to read through um, all the way through, let's see here, it goes through verse 25. We're going to read from 11 to 25 this morning, and then we'll come back and we will break these verses down. Verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. You guys know him as Barabbas, okay? Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. 
While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Then when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. We think we need some prayer for this one, don't we? Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you were willing to allow your son to suffer such for us, that we might be saved, Lord, that we might be redeemed, Lord, that we do not need to trust in our own good works, which are laughable, but Lord, that we can trust in the work of your son. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you were willing to stand on trial, Lord, the mock trials of the religious and and now the, the impotent trial of the government. Lord, willing to lay down your life for us. Lord, to pray on our behalf even while we were shouting curses as your name. Lord, we do pray that you would fill our hearts with wisdom, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that your word might speak into our souls and into our lives this morning, that we may walk with you, that we may offer our lives to you as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing our reasonable service to you. Speak, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so Jesus stood before the governor. Now, um, <laughs> we saw last, you know, a couple weeks ago, Jesus stood before the religious. Now he stands before the judicial and the political. And this is something that we need to understand, that Jesus isn't just on trial for us. Right? He's not just on trial for our personal lives because we, we tend to think that, oh, you know what, whether somebody believes in Jesus or not, oh, it's just, it's just my personal decision. It's just, oh, you know what, if, if I, you know, I, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing, you know, it's good for you, it's good for them. It's like, you know, the devil's not satisfied with just putting Jesus on trial in a private religious ceremony. Do you guys understand that? The devil is not satisfied in just keeping it, oh, you know, hush, hush, you know, the religious, they, they, they're going to deal with Jesus in their own way. But no, see, the devil, he wants, to make an, he wants to make a spectacle of Jesus, and he wants to bring him down. He wants to put him on trial on every single level, and there is plenty of religious people who hate Jesus. You guys are aware of that, right? There is plenty of people who hate Jesus, who are very religious. But see, the devil won't stop there because you know he also has people within his um, within his ranks who are in high you know positions in like the government or in school systems and, th- and things like that. And, and he he raises accusations and he puts Jesus on trial constantly. Any of you ever known anybody who went to college and their professor like literally like launched into them and saying, you know, how many of you are Christians? And open the semester that way. I do. I know a couple people who have done, who've literally been in that exact same scenario. And then they try to shame them and make them feel like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm a fool for believing in Jesus. 
right? See, the devil wants to make a, a, a public spectacle of him. Have you guys noticed that the, the atheists are really on a rise right now? Like you, see, you literally see, it's like they're, they're literally spending tens of thousands of dollars to put billboards across the country, you know, like, like trying to like refute Jesus and trying to get people not to, to, to believe in Jesus. Why is that? Now, let me just ask you this question. Are there any true atheists? Are there any people who really, really, really believe that there is no such thing as God? Well, maybe, but I, I, I believe that atheists are as real as the, the tooth fairy, okay? I don't think there really are any atheists because, now let me just ask you this question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it a different way so you guys can see it. If you, how many of you here believe in leprechauns? Anybody? Okay, so there's nobody here that believes in, le- in leprechauns. Good, okay. Now, you who do not believe in leprechauns, would any of you be willing to dedicate your entire life to disproving the fact that leprechauns exist? Would you spend your whole life, would you spend your life savings putting up billboards saying, don't believe in leprechauns? Would you do that? Of course not. That's stupid. Sorry to be so blunt, but that's lame. We know that there's no such thing as leprechauns. So why on earth would we waste our time having discussions about leprechauns, right? Like literally going into like a, a, a place, you know, and, and like maybe it's a family gathering and you start saying stuff like, hey, you know what? You, you've heard about leprechauns. Do you know there's people who believe in leprechauns and like make it like the big thing, like the focus of your life going on talk shows? Have you ever seen Bill Maher? Right, you know, and, and like, like he does these things. It's like, have you ever seen Bill Maher attacking leprechauns? No, why? Because he knows they don't exist. So why is it that atheists are out to get Jesus? Because they know he exists and they hate him. Right, they hate him. Okay, so the devil, see, he wants to attack Jesus on every level. Right? And it's on every level, um, the only accusation that mankind can raise against Jesus. Because now, when you look at the atheists, when you look at Richard Dawkins, when you look at you know, like all these different guys, there's, there's some famous atheists. But w- what can they actually level against Jesus? Can, can they level that he didn't exist at all? That there is no, the historicity of Jesus Christ is false? Can they, can they say that? No, not at all. Can they say there's no archaeological evidence whatsoever to support Jesus? No, they can't, they can't do that. Can they say, oh, there is no science proving that the Bible is accurate? And the answer is, no, there's not even that. Right? There, there's nothing there. The only thing that they can really come against Jesus with is the fact that they say he claimed to be the son of God. And we don't believe that. Right? That's it. That, that's the only thing. So... The devil, he wants to showcase this. He wants to shame us for believing this. And he wants to bring him down and, and, and destroy Jesus in the minds of people. Okay, so he says, he stands before the governor. And the governor asks him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? Right, are you the king of the Jews? And notice that the, the high priests and the religious leaders, they're going to come. And, and they're going to, like, rail all these accusations against them. They're, they're going to say a whole bunch of things. You go through all of the gospels, and, and they rally all these things. Oh, he says you're not allowed to pay taxes. They, they, they say a whole bunch of accusations against them, none of which were true. But in the end, notice this. Does Jesus answer any of those questions? Does he say anything about any of those at all? No. But in this question, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answers. 
right? This is the only question in his trial, whether it be before uh, Caiaphas and Annas, or whether it be before Pilate or even Herod. This is the only question that Jesus answers. Are you the king of the Jews or are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And Jesus answered, it is as you say. See, this is the only question that he answers because this is the only question that matters, right? This is the only thing. Now, all all these false accusations, he's not going to answer them because they're ridiculous. They have no grounds whatsoever. But this one question, Jesus will answer because it is the one that is, is absolutely paramount in his mind. It's the only question also that God will demand an answer from all of us. Okay, when Pilate stands before God the Father on that day, guess what? God the Father is going to demand that you answer, that Pilate will answer, is he the king of the Jews? Is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? And in that day, guess what? Pilate's not going to be able to say, "Uh, I wash my hands of this. He's not going to be able to do that at all. He's going to be forced to answer the question. And so Jesus answered the question. Right? This is the only question that will determine our destiny for all of eternity. And so it must be answered. Right? It must be answered. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. Right? It is as you say. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus declares that he is the Christ, the Son of God. And I, I want to just kind of read some of these to you. Because as I was reading through some of these, it was really encouraging to me. Right? It was really, really encouraging just because like, I remember back before I gave my heart to Jesus, I was talking to some Christians and I hated Jesus at that time. I was trying to destroy my wife's faith at that time. And I had told them, I straight up told them, I said, Jesus never said that he was the son of God. Now, had I ever read the Bible? No, but I just assumed that was true. Okay. But I, I want to just right now for the record to set it straight. I'm going to contradict myself right now and show you where Jesus does indeed claim to be this very thing. The first one for you who are taking notes is in John chapter 4, verses 25 and 26. Now he's talking to the woman of Samaria, uh, that woman who, is sitting by the, who came to the well to draw water. And the woman said in verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Okay, I am the Messiah. There's the first one. John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, we would think, like, well, what does that mean? That, that's no big deal. But these guys understood what Jesus was talking about so much so that they picked up rocks and they were about to kill him. Why? Because he was declaring that he was God. Before Abraham was, that's past tense, I am. And notice it's the eternal nature of God. I am, not I was. I am. Right? He is claiming to be God. In Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus asked him, Who do men say that I am? They're like, Some say Elijah, some say the prophet. And then Jesus says, But who do you say that I am? And he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, he, and Jesus' response was, No, 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 Peter, 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 you're, you're a little bit confused. No, he didn't say that. What he did say was, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. He said, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Right? Jesus is saying, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not only this, but in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, 
in, in John 18, 6, it says, Now when he, said that, uh, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, notice that the word he is italicized in that, if you, go, if you guys go, happen to go look at it. It's not actually a word that's there. It's just the, the people who translated it just added the he. Because they're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I am he. It just makes an English sentence. But really, in the end, what was Jesus saying? So you know, Judas and, and the group came to him saying, you know, we're looking for, Jesus said, you know, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And as he said that, they all fell backwards. A whole regiment just fell down like dominoes, right? You think Jesus was flexing his spiritual muscle just for a second, just so they would not attack and kill his, his people, right? He's protecting them, showing them that he's, under, he's in control. But he said, I am, and they fell to the ground. These are soldiers with clubs and spears and, and swords, and again, at his last um, trial in, in Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64, um, Caiaphas says, tell us straight, are you the Christ, the Son of God? Right? So you know, Jesus, he kept silent. The high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Right? That's a pretty clear statement, isn't it? Jesus said, he has said it throughout the Gospels, he's saying it now here before Pilate, that he is the Christ, the Son of God. He is God. I am Right? This is something that, that we need to understand. This, this is something that we need to hold on to. Right? Because Jesus is on trial in our culture and around the world, whether it be in our judicial system, whether it be by the religious, or whether it be by the political. Jesus is under trial. And there can be no doubt as to whether or not Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Right? There's no doubt whatsoever. We've clearly de- declared that from the Scriptures. So now we must be willing to answer this claim in our religious lives, in our courts, and in our politics as a nation, right? We must answer this question. Jesus unequivocally said, I am the Christ, the Son of God, and what we do as a nation with him in our own personal lives, in the court systems, and in the politics is paramount on what the fate of our nation is going to be. Our nation is coming to a verdict. You know that, right? Now, there was a time when our nation's verdict was one thing, and it seems like our our nation is coming to a different verdict now. But our nation is coming to a verdict. The question, though, is how will we vote? Right? How will we vote? Because we can, we can blame it on the politicians, right? We can say, oh, those crooked politicians, you know, snake oil salesmen, and they're just out to make money for themselves and vote themselves raises and things like that. Who did the politicians come from? The public. Us. We sent them. We trained them. We sent them to school. Right? We voted for them. They're the people that we wanted. So we can't blame the, public, the, the, the politicians. Right, then we say, oh, you know, those, cro-. how many of you have ever caught yourself saying, oh, you know, you know those crooked, you know, judges. Oh, those judges, those judges. Well, who are the judges? They're fathers, mothers, daughters, sons, just like the rest of us. They came from the public. They went to our schools. So can we really blame the judges for this situation? No. And you can say, oh, well, you know, they're the Muslims, the Muslims, it's their fault. You know, they're going to cut your head off right? It's like, can we blame them? Is it their fault? No, they, they're, they're just acting upon what they believe. 
So whose fault is it? We as a nation, do you know that God does judge individuals, but he also judges nations? If you don't believe me, read the book of Revelation. He will literally bring nations before him and he will judge them. Okay, our nation is built up of people, of individuals, and we will stand before the Lord and give an account for ourselves individually, but also we as a people group, as a nation, will stand and give an account for the things that we chose, for we put Jesus on trial and the verdict that we came. So my exhortation to all of us is that, hey, if we are going to be part of a losing battle and we're going to be the, the losing vote, you know what? That may be, but guys, cast your vote. Right? I know many Christians, and I'm really sad about this, but I know many Christians who absolutely say, you know what, the murder of unborn babies is completely fine. That's the mother's right, it's her body. Many, many people believe that. And even like the partial birth abortions, they're fine with all of that. And they'll probably be fine if it passes because, you know, Planned Parenthood is petitioning that they're literally um, trying to get it approved that they can, if a baby is born on the abortion table and it's alive, that they would have the right to kill it. They want that. And you know what? There's probably Christians who will say, yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's the mother's right and the, and the doctor's decision. Okay. How will you vote? Right? How will you stand in your own heart? Will you say, yeah, you know, that, that, that's okay? Or will you say, no, no, that is not okay? And you may be the losing voice, but will you stand? We have to stand. Because if we don't, no one else will. No one else will. He says, it is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Right, all of the, oh, what if, and, and this. Yeah, I mean, think about it. How, how many of you have, have ever like shared the gospel with somebody or somebody just knew you were a Christian and they said, what about the pygmies in Africa? Do they, are they really concerned with the salvation of the pygmies in Africa? Is that really what they're doing? No. In the end, they're trying to shift blame. Hey, hey don't ask me what I believe. What about them? Right? They're just trying to distract you, get your eyes off of the true question at hand. Right? They're, they're trying to turn you over here, but in the end, it's like, you know what? No, no, no. We need to understand these, and we need to answer these things. And, and you know, there are questions, you know, if, if God can do anything, can he make a burrito so hot that he couldn't eat it? You know, those are stupid questions. I'm sorry, don't answer those questions. Don't get into that. Is God so powerful he can, he can create a rock so big that he can't pick it up? No, because God's not stupid, right? That's a lame question. Those are the questions that I learned in philosophy class, right? They're dumb questions, right? You don't need to worry about those and don't lower yourself to answer those questions, but instead say, you know what? This I know. We are not here by accident. There is a God and he created you and me. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God? And they say, well, I don't know. Okay, well, what do you believe? And enter into a calm, loving question. But let your words be grace seasoned with salt. Right? But don't answer the foolish things. You don't need to get into those arguments. Right? Just ignore them. Paul even said, don't get down those. Those are useless. They're a waste of time. So he answered them not one word, so the govern the governor marveled greatly. Right? If we as Christians will just stop answering dumb questions and getting into these firefights of things that are worthless and useless, you know, people might marvel and go like, Wow, 
they're pretty wise, right? But unfortunately, you know, they're, they're fishing for stuff, right? And we take the bait all too often. Like, yeah, I'm reeling them in, <laughs> right? Don't, don't. Now at the feast, verse 15, now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished, right? So, so Pilate had this little thing. He's trying to, he's trying to um, make uh, like, like, like friendly with the Jews, right? So what he did every year, he would release one of their um, political prisoners, right? So, somebody who, like an insurrectionist, like this guy, or, you know, like just anybody. Hey, I've got a prisoner here. You hate us Romans. So, hey, Tell me who you want us to release. I'll, I'll give them this gift here during the, the, during the Passover. You, you just tell me, and I'll release them. And, and, and it was a way of kind of smoothing things over, saying, hey, they're not all that bad. Okay? So he says, all right. Pilate, he's looking at Jesus like, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with this guy. So I know. I'll, I'll, I'll see, you know, if they'll just release him, if, if the crowd. Because I, I know that the high priest, and them, they're, they're jealous of Jesus. They're envious. He says, but you know what, I'll, I'll petition the crowd. Who do you want me to release? So what does he do? He, he tries to find the most diabolical, notorious prisoner that he can, right? So um, this word notorious, it, it, it's a pismos. It just means notable, splendid, or well-known, right? It could be notorious. It could be in a bad way. It could be in a good way. So he, he's getting the most well-known, recognizable villain that he can find, right? Barabbas, here he is. And, 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 and his name literally means son of Abba. Abba is another Hebrew word that means uh, father. And it's, it's pretty much used primarily of God the father. Right? So he has a great name, right? His name is son of the father. Right? And, and the irony is not lost here. But it's a, so here what you have is he's putting up these two people. This known insurrectionist and murderer. Barabbas. Here he is. Or Jesus the Christ. Right, so he's like, Pilate's like, you know what, this is a shoe-in. Of course the people are going to pick Jesus. The people love Jesus. He's out there raising the dead, healing the sick, you know, clear, cleansing the lepers. He's doing all these great things. The people love him. So when I put up, you know, the, this, this notorious felon, this famous felon, right, be like bringing like Jesse James up there or something like that. The people are surely going to pick Jesus. The people have a question. They have a choice. It's set before them now. Who do they rescue and who do they condemn? Right? In our culture today, you know, if you put up Jesse James and Jesus, you know what? I, I honestly, I, I fear what, the, what the, the choice would be. Because people would be like, oh, Jesse James, I saw a movie about him. He's a cool guy. Jesus? Eh. Jesse, I want him. Think about it. Think about it. If you had a choice between Jesse James and Jesus, who would you pick? Please pick Jesus. Right? But it's like, you know, it's, it's something that's like, you know, celebrities, you know, we, we get addicted to them, don't we? It's like, ooh, a celebrity. And Jesus, he's like, he's like last year's celebrity. It's like, who do we got now? Right? What does the Fox say group, right? Like those guys, yeah. Okay, you guys, don't, you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? It's like the biggest thing going on right now on, on the internet. What does the Fox say? So it's just weird. It's weird. It's a weird song. It's weird. You don't need to watch it if you don't want to, but you're, I guarantee your kids are watching it. So, so, Jesus, King of the Jews, who works miracles, preaches the truth, has, you know, is, has great mercy towards the lowly, or Barabbas. He's got a great name, and everybody knows him. Never mind that he's a little bit highly strong, murdering and all, but hey, that's the choice, right? What are the people going to choose? 
right? So they, he puts this notorious prisoner up there. And therefore, uh, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Now notice what he's doing. He's buying time, right? Pontius Pilate is sitting there. He, he puts up these two people, and, and obviously the, the people are, are, are like voting, right? They're sitting there going like this, and he's sitting in the judgment seat, and he's getting a little nervous. He's like, ah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't like the way this is going. I can hear the crowds, and they're shifting, and, and, and Barabbas is, is getting louder, and, and nobody's, you know, maybe there's like, you know, 12 voices for Jesus, but I don't even think that because most of them ran away, right? So it's like, you know, he, he's starting to get uh, impatient. He's like getting a little bit nervous. And there he is. He's sitting in the judgment seat, the praetorium. And he's just like, what do I do? What do I do? And, and, and this is the impotence of government and, and the court, right? He, he's like, I know what's right. Should Jesus have even been arrested, period? Should, should, should Pontius Pilate have even allowed him to be arrested? Should he have even heard any of these accusations when none of them could have been proved? So what is he doing? He's sitting there going like, oh, my job's at stake because uh, he'd been a bad governor, if you didn't know that, and his job was on the line. If one more revolt happened in his jurisdiction, he was going to get fired, right? So he's like, oh, these people, I, I don't want to stir up the Jewish religious, uh, religious leaders because you know, they're, they're going to stir up the people and I'm going to get fired and it's going to look bad and ah, oh, I really like this job. You know, Israel has weather like California. It's really nice, right? I don't want to leave here is what he's saying. Okay, so what is, what is he doing? Instead of like actually standing up and doing his job, he's waiting for the people to make up their mind. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? But his wife um, says to him, she, she, she sends him a message saying, have nothing to do with this man. Right, have nothing to do with this man. But you know, here's the thing. That, that is a really nice sentiment that his wife sent him. Honey, don't have anything to do with this Jesus guy. Does Pilate have any choice in that matter whatsoever? Does he have any choice in this whatsoever? And, and let me ask you this. Do we have any choice whatsoever as to whether or not we have anything to do with Jesus or not? Right? The demons say, you know, we want nothing to do with you, Jesus. But, you know, in the end, those demons are going to stand before God and, and they're going to give an account and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. They have no choice. And though, you know, all of humanity is trapped in the same dilemma as Pilate, and you know what? We can't get out from under it. I, I said it before, we can't choose abstained, right? It's either a yay, a nay, or that's it. There is no abstain. If you guys have ever been on a board, it's a, it's a vote saying, I, I don't vote. You don't get a choice. It, it autom- if you put abstain, it all automatically goes to no. Automatically. Okay, so we are all trapped in this dilemma and we're sitting there and we hear the multitudes around us, don't we? We hear it on TV, we hear it in the schools, we hear it in the universities, we hear it in politics, we hear it you know, everywhere in entertainment and everybody's crying out, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. And what do we do? We're here wringing our hands going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And you know what? We're not given the luxury of saying, I have nothing to do with this man, right? It's impossible to get out from under this judgment. Try as we might. You know, and, and we may even try to justify ourselves by shifting the blame, you know, to the need of Christ's death to somebody else, right? Oh, you know, those people, they need Jesus. You know, oh yeah, they're murderers and scum. I'm a good person. So, you know, but like, yeah, I, I just don't want to get involved. Right? I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I want to be like the Dutch during Nazi Germany or the Swedish, right? 
oh, you know what? We have nothing to do with this. We're not at war. Hitler, you're, you know, you're kind of crazy, but you know what? We're just going to let you do your thing. It's not our business. Was it their business? In, it was pretty much overnight. The Dutch were completely conquered by Hitler. Guess what? They were at war whether they wanted to or not, right? And, and here's the thing that you know, we can't get out from under this. And it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what somebody else is or what somebody else has. You know, all the water in the world, remember he said, he goes, I wash my hands of this just man. So in the end, all the water in the world will not absolve us for the, the guilt of our sin. Right? It doesn't matter how good of a person we think we are. In the end, we were born under sin. That is a fact that we all live with. And it doesn't matter how good we are compared to everybody else. You may be a saint compared to me, but if you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you know what? I'm going to go to heaven and you're not because it has nothing to do with how good I am because I'm not that good. That's why I don't let anybody call me reverend. You can call me pastor. You can call me pastor Brian. You can call me Brian. I don't care about any of those. Those are fine. Don't call me reverend because it's like, yeah, it doesn't stick. Uh, it, It just doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't matter how good you are. In the end, there is no water. You, you, you could wash your hand under the flow of the ocean, and you know what? Your guilt will still be on you, right? You could take laundry or soap and scrub yourself all day. You know, you, you can like literally bleach your skin. Like, remember Michael Jackson did that. Now, I feel sorry for the poor guy, right? He said it doesn't matter if you're black or white, but obviously he didn't want to be black, and and he was literally like trying to change who, you know who he was. He was trying to change his person. But in the end, it's like you know what? He was still the same man, right? He was the same man. All the surgeries and all the all the things that he did didn't change anything. He was the same guy. And in the end, try as we might, we cannot get out from under the guilt of our sin. It's part of who we are. And the crowd may shout, "His blood be on our heads." But our choice to either embrace or condemn Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah or not will either absolve us of our guilt or make us accomplices in his murder. Right? That is a truth that we must bear. See, because it was our sin that he bore on the cross. Right? And it was his blood that absolves us of the guilt. So if you say, hey, you know what? I I, forget this. No, Jesus. No, no, no. Then guess what? It was our sin that he died for. We are guilty of it. And there you go. But it's his blood and it's faith and trust in his blood that now says, you know what? Yes, your sin was upon my shoulder, but now my blood is given as a substitute for your guilt. And so now you are free. So this is the choice we have. This is the vote we must make. Right? Have nothing to do with that man. I'm sorry. That, that just isn't possible. That isn't possible. But verse 20, it says, But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And you know what? There's nothing different from then to now, right? All the world is trying to persuade the multitude to choose Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. Are they not? The whole world is coming against him. And you know what? We should expect that. Right, Because the, the carnal mind is at enmity with God. It hates God. I don't know, you know when you guys gave your heart to Jesus or if you've given your heart to Jesus. I, I remember before, it's like when, when it all came down to it, when the rubber met the road, I hated Jesus. I hated Jesus because my wife loved him. I hated that and it drove me, it drove me mad. I couldn't take it. You know, and, and so all the world... All the world who is under the sway of the devil and his world system 
hates Jesus and is trying to persuade, shouting, crucify him. The governor answered and said to them, because they're asking for Barabbas now, son of the father, son of Abba. He says, which of the two of you of them do you want me to release? Right? Who do you want me to release? And you know what? That's a great question. Who do you want to release? Right? Who do you want to release? The one who says anything goes. Now, come on, admit it. There are sometimes, even as believers, like where we want that little bit of lax. You know, it's like, oh, you know, if only Christ wasn't so you know, strict about this whole holiness thing and righteousness thing. Right? Sometimes we want somebody who's going to be a little loosey-goosey, and that's why we gather uh, teachers to ourselves that, that say it's okay for me to be the sinful guy that I want to be. Right? And if you want to find one of those teachers, if you've got itchy ears, they're easy to find. But if we're all perfectly honest with ourselves, there are times when every single one of us go like, man, what if he... You think that teacher could be right? You know, he says it all the time and he does those things. So maybe it's okay for me to do it. And, and, and basically what happens is our lifestyle will begin to dictate our doctrine, right? Rather than our doctrine dictating our lifestyle, which is the way it should be. But we begin to turn, right? Sometimes we want Barabbas. Sometimes we want somebody who, hey, look, he's got a great name. Son of the father. He seems religious. He seems like a great guy. And he even says that I can party. I like that. I like that. But you know what? He does say anything goes, but you know, do we want him or do we want the Son of God who empowers you to walk in love and holiness? The one who gives you his spirit so you can say no to the flesh, so you can have new desires. Well, you know, you know what our flesh says. Our flesh says, you know, give us Barabbas. That's who I want. But then the Lord is working within us. He's pleading from the scriptures saying no. Walk in the light as I am in the light. Be holy because I am holy. We don't really like that all the time, do we? So it, it is a very good question for every one of us to have to answer too. Who do we want? Who do we want? There, there are literally thousands of books out there of teachers, pastors, big churches who say, hey, you know what? Do this, do that, do this. Have a good time. All this kind of stuff. And it's like, you know what? Is that what the Bible says? Is that what Jesus says? Is that why Jesus died on the cross? Paul would say, certainly not. How can we, who are dead to sin, live any longer therein? We are not to live for sin. We are to put away the old man. We are to live in faith as though we had died with Christ on the cross. That we were buried with him in the grave and rose again to the newness of life. Here's a great question. I, I ask myself this all the time. Would it be allowed in heaven? Easy question, right? Here is a great filter for the things that we allow into our lives. The movie selections, the things that we, um, you know, are maybe our music preferences, maybe the places that we're going to hang out, the people we hang out with. Now, I don't mean it as, as a sense to try to be a witness. I'm just saying, hey, these are your good friends who you identify with. Are they going to be allowed in heaven? Because it says that no impure thing is going to be allowed in the gates of the new Jerusalem. So, are these things, would they be allowed in heaven? And if you can say, oh no, then should you be watching them? Should you be entertaining them? I'm not going to put a trip on you and say, you can't watch this movie or that movie or this thing or listen to that or do that. I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? Your conscience before God, you determine but I ask you this question, would it be allowed in heaven? 
which of the two do you want me to release to you? It's a pertinent question, even for us believers. Because oftentimes our flesh would say, Barabbas, Barabbas. So then he says, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And you know what? The, the carnal man, the, 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 the flesh nature, what does it say? Crucify him. Let him be crucified. Why? Because he strikes my conscience. He makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't like the way I feel. I'm wrong. You want me to admit that I'm wrong? I've been a Christian for 20 years. You don't understand. What do you mean you want me to say that I'm wrong? Yeah, that's what Jesus wants you to say. I'm wrong. And then he can forgive you. Then he can bless you and love you and draw you to himself. And you can have communion with him. And I'm not talking the little cracker and the little cup. I'm talking fellowship with him in his presence. But they said to him, let him be crucified. And he says, why? What evil has he done? Right? And we like our, we like our teachers and we like to choose some of these teachers over Christ and over his word. And the question is good. Well, why? What, when has Jesus let you down? Why is it that you know, what you started in the spirit you want to complete in the flesh? Why? You know, what evil has he done? And they don't answer the question. They just cried out all the more, let him be crucified. Let him be crucified. And then when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that the tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. Huh. I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. Is that a right statement? No, it's not. It was in his power to let Jesus go, period. Right? It was in his power to let him go. It was his job to let him go. Yes, it's his job to keep the peace, but it is also his job to protect the innocent. Pilate handed a just man, his words, a just man into the hands of a bloodthirsty mob in order to keep his job so that he, in doing that, made himself an accomplice to the murder of Jesus Christ. This is going to be hard to hear, but we do the same when we are ashamed of Jesus. Right? There are people, the bloodthirsty mob, crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Are you one of his believers? Do you believe in him? And we go like, what are you talking about? You just put the name of Jesus Christ into the hands of the bloodthirsty mob. You have denied him. You were ashamed of him in this uh, wicked and adulterous generation. Does that mean that we've done the unforgivable sin and God is through with us and he has washed his hands of us? No, because God's not like us. He loves us and he restores us. But this is what we do. We hand him over to the unruly mobs of friends, of family, of co-workers who seek to destroy him and we say nothing. We do nothing. And the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. <laughs> it's a powerful statement, isn't it? So powerful that uh, Mel Gibson was pressured by the Jews not to put it in the Passion of the Christ. He still let, it was still there. It was in Aramaic. He just didn't translate it into English. Right? But it's a powerful statement. His blood be on us and our children. Did they have the authority to say that? Could they have chosen anything differently than that? Were they able to, to make that choice? And the answer is no. Why? Because it already is. His blood is already on all of humanity's head. 
because the just came for the unjust. He was murdered for our sakes that he might heal us and make us well and make us whole. So it doesn't matter what they say. They were born under the curse. They were born in judgment. They are sitting in the prison yard awaiting their judgment. It is only the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary that we may be pardoned and wash the guilt of his holy blood off of our hands. That is the only place. So we have to answer as to whether Jesus is the Christ in our personal lives, don't we? But we also have to answer whether he is the Christ in our nation as a people. We must answer. This is the most important question that we will ever ask. Because it is one thing to say, yes, Jesus is my Messiah. And in the quiet of my own heart, I can say, Lord, I believe in you. I trust in you. I love you. But that is not enough. It is enough for salvation for sure, but it is not what God requires of you. God requires also public confession of his name, doesn't he? You cannot be ashamed of his name or he will be ashamed of you, is what he says. Right? We are to be people not only in our spiritual, religious, personal lives, but publicly are to declare that we are his and that he is ours and that we trust and believe in him. So, is he the king? Started with that question this morning. Are you the king? And we must answer, is he the king? And I'm not just talking in your personal life. I'm talking publicly now. Is he the king? Is he your king? Is he our king? That is the question raised this morning. You guys, and only you guys, can answer that for yourselves. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. That I will declare to the end of my days. God bless you all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, that you were willing to entrust yourself, Lord, into the hands of evil men, of politicians and religious leaders. Lord, into unruly crowds and mobs. You were willing to give yourself completely. Lord, that we might be spared. We thank you so much for this, Lord, and we do not shirk our responsibility to declare openly, Lord, that you are the Christ. We love you with all of our hearts, Lord. We praise you. And we are not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord, that your spirit would fall upon us, that we might be bold witnesses to this generation. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts and praise you now. In Jesus' name. Amen.